0: Hey, you're listening to Quarantined Comics, a podcast where two guys escape reality by reading comics and graphic novels and spend the next 45 minutes arguing with each other. Your coming of age, Roman.
1: I say it's kind of still happening.
0: Same here. But the coming of age narrative has been a central tenet in almost every graphic novel and comic book, whether it's Adrian Tomine's charting the maturation of his career, the little girl in My Favorite Thing is Monsters investigating the death of her neighbor, or the Tamaki cousins, who heroines who are just trying to get
1: through life. Or Peter Parker learning that with great power comes great responsibility. Tony Stark becoming less of a dick. Bruce Wayne trying to resolve his mommy and daddy issues. Martha.
0: In this week's graphic novel, the Syrian French cartoonist Riyadh Satouf's volatile and evolving relationship with his identity as an Arab and his relationship with his father and his father's home country of Syria. Satouf's autobiographical memoir, The Arab of the Future, is a six-volume epic charting his childhood from the 70s to the 90s as he grows up in France and Syria. Currently, there are four volumes in English. The fifth was
1: just released in France, and the final volume hasn't been written yet. Yeah, Ryan, seriously, dude. Like, I am, I got to the end of volume four and discovered I was at a cliffhanger. Like, come on, man. Select a complete book. Quit doing this to me. Sorry, but not sorry. Arab of the Future, the first volume of which came
0: out in 2015, deals with some really charged material from pan-Arabism, Western imperialism, anti-Semitism, homophobia. Now, I don't think Satouf meant for the book to be explicitly political or a social statement as much as he meant for it to be a memoir of his childhood. But he does grow up with this tension around what it means to be an Arab. And the answer to that question doesn't just change as he moves between France and Syria. It changes even within Syria, depending on what city or village he's in. I'm Raman Segal, and I'm an Indian-American
1: by way of Alabama. And I'm Ryan Joe, Chinese-American by the way of California. And the houseplant knows about as much about pan-Arabism as we do. A dying houseplant. <laughs> yeah. Ryan and I are, as usual, out of our depth. Fortunately, though, we have brought in a special guest, our very own Arab of the future, Saif Hamid, an old friend, who is an Arab from Ohio, to share his thoughts on this week's graphic novel. Saif, welcome, man. What's up, guys? How you doing? Oh, doing doing
0: great, and great to have you here. So, if people are saying, well, mostly Raman is saying, that you're <laughs> uh, a Middle Eastern media fashion and music mogul, and I'm guessing at least one or two of those is close to comics. Can you tell us a little bit about your pop culture interests and experiences?
2: I would hesitate to use the word mogul, but I'll take it from, from Raman. Thank you. Yeah, um,
1: you know it carries a lot of weight with yeah, all yeah, 10 of our listeners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So... Also, well, man, Ryan, I didn't know there was a book five in French. I'm I'm gonna get it immediately following this uh, recording. So I'm, I'm Egyptian American by way of Ohio, now transplanted Ryan to your home state, LA. I'm in Cali now. Yeah, I've I've been I've been making music for like 25 years now. Hip hop, Arabic, Indian pop, instrumental. You name it, I've been m- making, it it's my first and, and deepest passion. But growing up in hip hop, comics were a big part of, you know, I was into comics and everything to do with them and have been just a general kind of pop culture consumer, I guess, in all other ways since.
0: One of the things that really st- strikes me about Arab of the Future is is how specific of an experience it is. So Safe, even though you are an Arab, you're also you're an Ohioan. As you were reading this, like what, what resonated with you personally and what was beyond your own personal experience? Yeah. So
2: yeah, a, a, a few things resonated just to contextualize a little bit. So I, so I grew up in Ohio in a small town outside of Cleveland, but as part of a fairly tight knit and, and Romans heard me talk about this tight knit, you know, rich, I would say in very close pan Arab community with a sub community. Of very tight knit and super close Egyptian Americans, right? And so I I had the, I very much had the pan Arab experience from, you know, from birth, essentially, in terms of being part of the diaspora. Both my parents, born and raised in Egypt, met in the 70s in London, got married back in Egypt in the 70s, and immediately moved back to London. And so, they so they lived for about eight years uh, or so in London and moved to Ohio like a month or two before I was born. Through going to London with them and and seeing the places they experienced as newlyweds and as you know foreigners in in Europe, Arabs more specifically and Egyptians in Europe, I, I just, it's like a lens through which I have viewed and seen and experienced secondhand at least a lot of what Riyadh talks about in 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 this series of books, and and of course the same applies to you know their experience in Egypt. I never went back to live in Egypt. We never lived in Europe as a family, so I don't have those lenses. But definitely tugged at some string.
1: I backpacked around the Middle East, Sif. You know we've talked about this, like yeah. Syria specifically, Jordan as well. And there were things in the book as an outsider that I was like, oh, that's so familiar. Here's some subtext to that thing that I didn't understand or I experienced or I mm-hmm. saw when I was there. I hit Amazon and I saw some of the book one reviews and, you know, all the woke liberal progressives like me were like, oh my God, it's such a great book. But then every fifth or 10th review based on name recognition was from probably an Arab, Arab American, Arab European who was just not happy with this book yeah, and said, it's so biased. This guy has an ax to grind. He's not proud of his heritage. But then I was like, yeah, but the truth kind of hurts. Like he saw it through the lens of a little kid as someone who's experienced foreign culture in my own background, I was like, there's some truth here. There's a real kernel of painful truth that's coming out. Is is that accurate based on what you've seen?
2: Yeah, totally. And in any such story, right? Any coming of age story, any story about a, like a life experience that is cultural in nature, there will be a multitude of versions. Because we, we all experience that differently. It is not surprising to me at all that there are Arabs, wherever they may be, in the region, in the diaspora, who've read and are reading these these books and react negatively to them. Because there's a lot in the story Riyadh tells that reflects negatively, quite honestly, yeah. on, on on Arabs living abroad.
0: Was most of that um, negativity, that criticism, directed to Volume 4 specifically? Because that's sort of the part when Riyad is... A t- angry teenager. Angry, well, angry teenager, but also developing a clear preference over preferring to live in France, beginning to see more of the hypocrisy of some of his father's statements, where his father is also becoming a little bit more vocal and some of his, his anti-Semitism, for instance, his anti-Americanism, for instance. You know, and all of that was sort of understated in, in the earlier books, I presume because that was a time when Riyadh wasn't fully cognizant of it.
2: Again, this is just my read, and I'm, I'm trying to put myself in other shoes, right? The, the, any perceived negativity is probably more so based in or founded in his father, and the way his just general kind of talk track attitude and opinions of his father, and I'll come back to that in a second, or more specifically, you know, I I can see people not loving, again, the very singular and focused and potentially narrow view of the people in the village, right, where where he went back and lived. The the duality of life in his village and life in, say, Damascus, Damascus, right, that's very real. Like th- that is very, very real. And you, you even in cities like Damascus or Cairo or Beirut, in any of the big cosmopolitan cities in the Middle East, you will find people who are you know whose families are from the village or villages rather, and they struggle with that duality in 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 the way they experience city life. That carries over generation to generation in different ways. To me, Riyadh's storytelling is just reflection of his experience, right, as a kid, and how different it was in different places and his own evolution and his own kind of grappling with, am I more this, am I more that, right?
1: Yeah, and that was one of the things I really appreciated, because he was half French, half Syrian. And when he was in Syrian, he wasn't good enough. He was a Jew, right? That's what people called him. But when he was in France, people wanted to deny his Arab heritage. And but it was like the secret that he kept inside. And people were like, why do you have such a funny name? And he saw some of the racism towards Arabs in Europe and mm-hmm. chose to hide that about himself. So he really was this kid that was kind of torn between two worlds.
0: He's also There's also that scene where he and his buddy are skateboarding in volume four. Yep. And they kind of run yep. into this Arab community of kids who yep. basically they throw stones at him because he's an outsider. So even to the Arabs in France, he's not he's not an arab and actually they have a conversation with a friend right after he says the friend says no 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 no, no. you're french you just happen to have an arabic name
2: yeah and and it, it's th- that was a really interesting scene actually to me i was i was i was as on the edge of my seat as one can be when 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 reading a book because in my head i was like okay how's he going to do how's he going to react here what's he going to do is he will he let the arab out and he didn't really. He, he no, didn't you let assimilate. He, the the, the yeah, name of yeah. the game
1: assimilate. Fit in, he, he, don't yeah. stand out.
2: Exactly. He didn't let the Arab out at all. At all. Right? And so that that was very interesting. Um, Do you think
0: that was like a choice though also? Because he kind of keeps mentioning, I for, he forgets the language, which is this point of conflict between him and his dad.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And there there's a very real question, right? Am I Arab enough in this context or in this setting? And as a as an in-between who doesn't speak the language well right doesn't speak it fluently but also isn't of France and isn't French he he just he falls in between and the question is am i this or am i that and clearly at some points he he gravitates more toward the arab and 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 the muslim side of things at some points he gravitates more toward the the french and I, I, non-muslim would be the wrong w- way to say it but he He almost, there's a rejection of the religion, right? He likes his grandma's
1: pork. Come on. (laughs) Yeah,
2: exactly. The pork scenes are hilarious. What Uh, what did
0: you just think about the book? You know, aside from your your specific personal connections to it, as just as a piece of literature, how did you feel about it? Did you like it? Did you not like it? I think I kind of know the answer to that one, but I'll ask it anyway.
1: If you want to understand the Indian American experience, go watch Never Have I Ever on Netflix. If you want to understand how doctors really live, go watch Scrubs because it's such a specific point of view. And this is a hyper-specific point of view of about a half French, half Syrian kid traipsing around the Middle East and, you know, torn. And I think people who don't have this experience, who don't know anything about the Middle East should read it. Now, the, the one caution is there needs to be a disclaimer in front of it because he clearly has a preference, and paints France through rose-colored glasses, even though he calls some things out, and he kind of makes fun of the village life. Though the village life anywhere sucks, in India, in Alabama, I loved it. I, I, I wouldn't have read it on my own, and even the cartoony nature, every book opens with, look at me in my adorable hair, I was so good looking, and it makes you let your guard down, his style of art, so loved it. This yeah, I I, 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 liked,
2: I liked it too. I would also. I would go so far as to say that any art of this type, and in this category, is only successful if it does offend some people, right? Hmm. It, it. It. I think by its very nature, has to, and I would expect it to, offend people.
0: What about you, Ryan? As I said earlier in the introduction, I I presume that Satouf did not have a political or social agenda. This is a really, really specific book about a very specific childhood, and that's actually what I loved so much about this. It's the level of detail, not just in the relationship between the father and the mother, the father and the son, the son and the relatives, but also between... The greater world. Where does Syria sit in the greater world? All of that was so meticulously detailed. At the same time, it was really, really entertaining to to read. And Raman, you brought this up earlier. The cartoony style almost makes you think this is going to be sort of very simplistic. But as you get into it, it's an incredibly dark and disturbing look at what it was like to to grow up. Oh, dark um, and disturbing. That's your cup yeah. of tea, right? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I kind of think that's sort of, in a way, why I I initially responded to it. You know, there's that early incident, I think, when in the first volume, when the mother sees the kids torturing the dog. And then you realize, oh, this is not going to be sugarcoated at all. I mean, that's actually a very grisly scene. But the art style actually makes that much more palatable because, again, he has this very cartoony style that would look fine in like the Sunday, you know, the, the Sunday morning funnies. But this is one of my favorite uh, series that that I've read. And I know I said this about <laughs> Upgrade Soul, but this one is also, uh, is also right up there.
1: Another thing I really appreciated was how it gets you kind of behind the scenes in the culture. So again, I've traveled around the Middle East in North Africa, in the Gulf States, near Israel and Egypt, but not in those zones. And you see things, you experience things. But you don't know what's really happening. And so one really interesting thing, he's a little boy, but he was allowed to go to the room where the women were, right? And you kind of see the conversations with the women and how they play out with their children. And I felt like I was getting the cheat code of Arab culture safe, you know? Mm-hmm. And like one thing very specific that just, just jumped out at me, and it's a little wonky, but, you know, when i travel traveled around the Middle East, traveled around South India, North India, you see all the houses you know, these multi-generational homes everyone's you know saving money and building another story and you see like steel rebars sticking out of the top of it and you're like oh that's so amazing my uncle's gonna build a third floor on the house for when yeah. his son has kids 20 years from now yeah. <laughs> and, and in syria and in libya the reason people do it <laughs> and again you drive down the street down drive down the highway from the airport to the town you're visiting and you see these all over the world. everyone's house has the rebar sticking out And it's because you don't pay taxes on your house Mm. until the house is complete. Mm. (laughs) I just like these things that you're not going to read on a lonely planet, these things no one's going to tell you. And the book is just littered with them. And so that's where I felt like it was the cheat code on not the Arab experience, not even Arab culture, but just the Arab way of life. Just to emphasize what you said, Raman,
0: the details, both about the culture, but those little asides that kind of detail, the specifics of how Riyadh is perceiving these things. You know, both of those kind of combined make this like a very, very unique experience instead of something sort of general and which would turn it honestly into a polemic. And that, you know, that that sort of extra character really makes Arab of the Future both incredibly entertaining. And also, I don't want to use the word educational, but it is in a way, because as you said, it contextualizes things that you had noticed without actually understanding. That kind of speaks to how primal comics is as as a medium and the ability for Satouf to kind of convey all of this information and this rich portrayal. I mean, I think that's only really possible when he presents it as a graphic novel.
1: Yeah, if if this was, and again, I think this would make a fantastic TV series. and I never want to see that TV series because it would ruin it. But it, you would miss so much. I mean, you'd gain a lot of things, but you would lose so many things, yeah. right? Yeah, totally. And the innocence of this book makes you let your guard down.
2: All, all the asides and kind of the stream of consciousness we see from him, I read as the most honest autobiographical content in the series. Yeah. Which is...
1: His dad, he looks so happy. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. yeah. And, so, and on. so on that note, this is very... Personal and and specific something I took away because I've seen some of this quite frankly in my own father, the the identity crisis almost that that his father lives yeah. throughout the entire series. I'd be hard pressed to find, and it's actually not even just limited to men, but immigrants, Arab immigrants who haven't gone through that type of identity crisis.
1: One thing I, um, I noticed, safe when I was younger, my dad was pinnacle peak Indian man, like mm-hmm. he represents the entire country. In my eyes, right? Mm -hmm. And I go back to India and and in America, people make fun of his accent and he doesn't fit in, and you know, all these things. And then you go to India, it's like, well, he's gonna be like at home. This is this is where he came from. Yeah. But my dad left at 20, and we were going back and he was in his fifties or sixties, and he was just as much a fish out of water in India.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: and Mm -hmm. to see his dad, and and he, you know, after he, he makes his pilgrimage to Mecca. But he does all these things to try to fit back into Arab culture for when he does go back. But his dad is even almost rejected by the culture when he goes back.
0: Yeah, the characterization of the father really, really stuck out to me more so. I I read this like the first time because I was reviewing it for for a publication. And I would read one book and then I get the next book like a year later. So this is the first time I've read it kind of back to back to back. And the evolution of the son's relationship, or more specifically, the son's perception of his father, it was really, really striking. And in a way, some of it is universal. In the first volume, he sees his father as this giant. Larger than life. Larger than life. And then even later on, when his father has this this student, Assad's bodyguard, bodyguard, he at first thinks his father is incorruptible. And then he slowly starts to realize, you know, how that perception isn't correct when he sees the relationship his father has with his with his bodyguard and then in volume four you see the the veil even further coming down where he he says you know I think about my father but I don't really miss him and I I, I think you, you there's also like very cleverly you kind of see the psychology of the father being revealed like how he was initially this sort of dynamic student in Paris who got, an offer from Oxford which is you know you think it would be great but for some reason he decides to go back to his his home village and you know you kind of realize later on that he went to France because and partially because or maybe fully because he didn't want to carry out his military service. You see how his father really kind of likes being sort of like this big fish in a small pond and he's constantly trying to, to get that status even within his village. And he realizes his PhD doesn't matter. What matters is being seen as like this pious, this mm-hmm. pious man. And, and that kind of like is the catalyst for his, or part of the catalyst for his father starting to become more, more traditional. And I thought that was really crafty and cool the way Satouf told that story through the eyes of the kid, but also so that we, the audience could see the bigger story around the father's psychology
2: what ha- what happens is you, you know the people leave these their home countries at such a pivotal point in their lives and then they get to this point where they've spent at at some point in time they've spent more time outside of the country than in yeah. the country yeah. and or they keep going back and forth and so you you end up in this never-ending cycle of finding yourself and, and like who who should i be more villager or should i be more you know, cosmopolitan. Am I more Damascus? Am I more Paris? Am I who I was when I studied in Paris? Am I am I who my family expects me to be? And that's I don't know that 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 was that that was a super real and and I think profound storyline. I,
1: I want to talk about the mom first of all. When the parents meet, like she kind of takes pity on this guy, but I think through like pure pure like force of personality, you know, he woos her. And they end up together, right? And they end up having a baby. And but she goes along with it. And I mean, there's a lot to be said about the character of the mom. But there were so many moments in the book where I was like, "She's going to hit a breaking point. She's just going to hit a breaking point," and she never ever does. Yeah. And she- I just worried about her throughout That's the entire nuts. story. Yeah. That drove, that drove me nuts.
0: Was she- but then so. So, you know, I was thinking about the characterization of the mom, too, because there's no point in this book, in the volumes, where she, she ever really shows any love to the father. It's like completely unclear. You know, she goes on. But she clearly, they clearly make well, more babies. That wasn't an accident. Right. So what's going on there? Right. I mean obviously Riyadh maybe doesn't know or it's just yeah. Kid, kids don't amazing. you don't see your parents in love right, right. It, so there's right. so there's that there's that aspect you know we could speculate that she was in love with him we could speculate that she got pregnant with with Riyadh and you know kind of decided to just to get married there's not there's no evidence one way or the other there but one thing I think that is there is her parents kind of even though you know she says oh you know he I, I forgot the the father's name but she says oh he's he's kind of you know, driving me nuts, and the parents always say, "You know, a boy needs his father." So there's actually this very kind of traditional way of thinking. I, I was thinking I kind of,
1: in the modern era that we live in, you get divorced or whatever, right? But in Indian culture, you stayed together, <laughs> like you didn't break up. And so I wonder if there was just that kind of like old fashionedness. Well, no, also, also, kids.
2: also, she's a villager, right? Her family's yeah, from the yeah. village, which is another really interesting thing. You've got. The Syrian village background, and then you have the French, you know, village or country background, which is that like that's a whole other super interesting subtext in storyline, right? But we we yeah, I you don't get the same glimpse obviously into the mother that you do into the into the father, or not as I, I, deep of a glimpse, I guess. Yeah,
0: and I think that's just because the father is such a forceful personality in, yeah. in Riyadh's life. And you know, you, you talk about the mother's breaking point, it does kind of come in volume, uh, in volume. 3 and 4 when she's just like oh, fuck it I'm I'm sick of this I'm we're going to France and that's when the mother becomes more of a character but I also think that you know her motivation is a little bit more straightforward she has less of this weird cultural conflict of not feeling like she belongs anywhere that's just probably why you know, she she doesn't come on as as strongly. You know, she at first she's just kind of pulled along in the wake of the father. When she does become her own character, her motivation is a lot more simplistic. The father has all of these weird conflicts. And in a way, the father is also the one who really is the agent of chaos, particularly at the end. You know, they're kind of having this regular family life. The mom's just trying to get, get a job. And then the father comes in and things change. And then the father leaves, things go back to normal. The father comes in, things just completely change. And... You know, so, so I think kind of in comparison to that, the, the mother character, I don't want to say she's a lot less interesting.
1: For the purposes of drama, she is less interesting than the father. Yeah. Well, but the one parallel that I did see, I'm in an interracial marriage. Many friends of my generation are as well. But coming up in our 20s, our parents advised against it for a lot of reasons. My childhood best friend, father- was in college and met an American woman and married her and all was fine and good. But the man was from India of Indian culture and the woman was from the West. And the, the, the thing my parents reference is it's all fine and good with romance and love, but as you get older, you're going to want your culture. And what happened with my friend's father is as the kids were eight, nine, 10 Riyadh's age by the later books, the tension started to really rip apart the marriage. In, in these real life situations of the husband wanting the culture and the wife not appreciating the weird foods and the strange religion, just kind of getting sick of it, right? Out, I've outgrown the novelty of this thing. And it literally tore apart the relationships, which ended in divorce, which you know caused all sorts of other chaoses for the children and how they were raised. And that was always the thing my parents warned against. Now, the counter argument that my sister and I would make was, Yeah, but we weren't born over there. (laughs) Like, yes, we know about Indian food and we go to temple, but we also watch the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, so like we eat pizza. So, but I I saw that laid bare. Like, I was actually amazed at Riyadh's mother's patience with the village life, not Middle Eastern life, but the village life. The women have to eat the leftovers afterwards. Like, dude, the women have to sit in a separate room. That totally happens at temple in Indian culture in America, Right. And her patience and willingness to deal with it was something that I admired, but I just, I thought the breaking point would have come sooner, but much sooner than getting a cigarette. That's true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She was, she was remarkably patient for a very, very long time until she was just like, I'm gone. And it was actually interesting towards the end how, how toxic. That relationship it became, I guess it's sort of expected, but there's that last right before the father, spoiler alert, snatches the youngest son and takes him
1: back to Syria. The father Thanks comes again, out. Ryan, for the cliffhanger at the <laughs> end of volume four. <laughs> I was like literally yelling at the comic book dude when that yeah. happened.
0: Well, you know what? Uh Safe is gonna read it in French and then we'll be back next week and he'll just narrate what happened.
2: Yeah, let's let's do it. Um, That'll be a good test of my French.
0: I just wanted to say before we move on, you know, at the end, the the father comes back and he is, you know, trying to be very accommodating. He's, you know, he's he's like, oh, he, he drinks French wine. He's helping around the house. He's on, the offensive.
1: Sure. he's on the term offensive. Yeah,
0: I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And maybe Riyadh doesn't know either. Riyad Satouf doesn't know either. Whether this is just a ruse to let everyone's guard down or whether he's making a good faith effort to try to give the, the the wife Clementine, you know, what he thinks she wants. But it's clear that at that point, the relationship is just over. I mean, she's just over him, over everything he represents. There's so much toxicity there. And I'm not sure whether, you know... The father was always intending to snatch the son or whether he just got fed up with, you know, with not being able to make it anything work and then decided I'm going to Syria.
2: Yeah, I the that threw me. I got to be honest that the 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 snatching of the son threw me at the end.
1: I Um, saw it coming. I I saw it coming. I didn't think he would do it, but I was like, oh, he's totally going to do this. Really? Yeah. What we'll, we'll we'll gave like, it away? How, was it how, was it just a yeah, sense?
2: How far ahead also? When when and, did you see uh, that?
1: Coming? Probably about the latter third when he comes back and he's on the charm offensive. Yeah. And he's trying mm-hmm. to convince her to go back and then he gives up suddenly and just starts being a good husband. That's like, oh, he's up. This guy's up to something. Like I just saw so, it.
2: So interesting. So that means you see uh you see premeditation. This too, you this may be too serious of a word, but you see evil in the father.
1: No, 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 no. I again I don't don't
2: mean evil with like the full weight of the word. No, no, yeah, I don't I I need to choose my
1: words carefully, but every good villain, and to be clear, Riyadh paints his father as a villain. As a villain, yeah.
2: Okay, fair. Yeah.
1: Every good villain doesn't think they're a villain. They think they're doing the right thing. So understanding his father's motivations, that's what he thinks is right. That's what Mm -hmm. he believes is the right thing. He's not doing it to be evil. He's because he's doing it because that's the right thing to do for his for his son.
2: Oh man, I'm going to be reading some French tonight.
1: <clears throat> <laughs> Safe. I have one last question, and and Brian, to you as well, but less relevant. Would you want your father to read this book, or when your sons are older, do you want them to read a book like this?
2: I am. There's no reason I haven't yet. I'm absolutely going. Well, to... Well, your children are clearly more advanced readers than my daughter. Uh, then. <laughs> urge, urge my my father to read it. I don't know if he'll sit through it. I have no idea. I've never known him to read comics, but I will definitely urge him to read it.
1: What about your kids, years from now, like, you know, when they're teenagers?
2: Yes, but I'm also, I'm confident that by then there will be a wealth of, you know, other similar stories done in a similar style and other styles, for that matter, Mm -hmm. for them to consume. And and that that I will, you know, kind of push them to consume because I... you know, back to where I started, I think that's super
1: important. But what about you, Ryan? Should your cat be reading this? Should
0: my cat be reading this? My cat should be sitting on it and has already done that on each volume. <laughs> if I, you know, I, so I don't have kids. Would I have a problem with my kids reading it? I mean, I myself read Spawn at a relatively young age, I read The Shining at a relatively young age. So I wouldn't mind if, you know, if I have like a 10 year old reading it, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't get it. I don't want to say that there's no material that a young reader, you know, shouldn't be consuming because it is disturbing at times, but I do think it's accessible. And, you know, this is the sort of book where
1: you can kind of have a conversation with your kid about why some of the things happen in here. This book should lead to a conversation. I think this book sparks things or it sparks a conversation that needs to be had about literally some of the questions we've asked you, Safe. It was like, was it really like this? You know, or uh, my fear is. Brutally honest, a white kid in Alabama just reads it and takes Riyadh's preference and says, "Look at those villagers in Syria. Like, there's a yeah, danger."
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have to be prepared with my kids specifically to address certain things, i.e., you know, do like, is this the view all Arabs have of Jews? Right? right. Did did my grandparents right? Did did Nana? And, and Papa and, and Teta, what they call their respective set of grandparents, grow up playing these games and talking about Jews the way the people in the village in this comic book did, right? Like so, that And that's just one example.
1: You know, honestly, there's a lot of stuff from the 60s about Southern Baptists in Alabama. Did Grandpa yeah, say the yeah, N-word, yeah, no right? Man. Like, yeah, have no. you ever seen yeah. the Klan? <laughs> yeah, Was and, so, like, yeah. the, like, hate... Hate and ignorance are no one culture has a monopoly on. that. If you take this as just sort of like this broad, generalized
0: portrait of the Arab world, you're you've 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 got the wrong. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There, there's absolutely the picture painted of the village, right? So my my mom born and raised in Cairo, so born and raised, quote unquote, cosmopolitan. My dad was born and for the first decade or so of his life was raised in Dumyat which is in Egypt, which is a, a now delta town. I wouldn't call it a village, but it's, it's certainly not Cairo. It wasn't Cairo at the time. There's a totally other side of the village life, right, that is in no way, shape or form, I don't think, depicted in this book. I think you get glimpses of it in, in some of the uh, stream of consciousness and or the way some of the other characters talk. But clearly, none of the action speaks to the more beautiful, simpler, more peaceful side that could have come in the village life. S- some of it you started to get in Libya. I f- I actually, I forgot about the very early kind of scenes in Libya. You know, like the, like the experiences with his dad sitting under the the fruit tree, right? Yeah. But reflecting back, I, I was expecting a little more of that, I think, throughout.
1: So, Ryan, All right. I, I have one last question for you. Oh, all right. What are we reading next week? I don't know. You told me you were reading Sailor Twain, but I've never
0: (laughs) read that. You've read that. You selected it. So you tell me about it.
1: (laughs) Well, if you like mermaids, the Hudson Valley, and really spooky, weird shit, (laughs) we're going to shift gears completely. Sticking in the genre of indie, but dark, tricolor, interesting dramas that will probably be ruined on television at some point sailor twain by mark siegel founder of first second press i read it a few years ago it still haunts me and i cannot wait